Hey, it's Dr. Marissa Lee Naismith here, and I'm so honored to be sharing today's interview round episode with you. Listen, and you will be inspired by amazing healthcare practitioners, voice teachers, and music industry professionals who will share their stories, knowledge, and experiences within their specialized fields to help you live your best life every day. As singers, our whole body is our instrument, and our instrument echoes how we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally. So don't wait any longer. Take charge and optimize your instrument now. Remember that to sing is more than just learning about how to use the voice. It's about a voice and beyond. So without further ado, let's go to today's episode. As a society, we're full of stress and anxiety and these issues can consume us. Often it is our thoughts, our situations, both past and present, and our concerns about the future that can become extremely overwhelming. So how do we recognize when we're stressed or suffering from anxiety? How do we address these issues when we still feel shame in admitting that we are in need of help? As a voice community, not only do we have to be our best selves when we show up for work every day, but so many of those we serve are suffering from these silent illnesses. In today's episode, Donna Cameron, who is a registered psychologist with over 16 years experience, dives deep into what stress and anxiety are, the physical, mental and emotional changes that can occur in our bodies and how our community and health system deal with these issues currently. Donna discusses how managing your stress cup is a powerful tool to help you overcome these difficult health issues. Donna also offers an insight into the impact of COVID-19 on mental health and offers some practical tools for the voice teaching community to deal with these issues in our studios and especially how to help those students who are in need of attention. Donna Cameron has been working with children, adolescents and adults for anxiety breakups and offers marriage and couples counselling in her practice. Based on her knowledge and experiences, she has written a self-help book called Managing Your Stress Cup and has a podcast called On the Couch with Donna Cameron. She is often seen in the media as she is called upon to comment in printed publication and is on the news. Donna is passionate about helping people and presents them with practical strategies that they can understand and implement. Her aim is to take the fear out of mental health and feels that when clients understand the language of their emotions, that they can then make the positive changes in their lives and for their mental health that they need. I'm so grateful to have Donna as our guest today, and I'm sure you're going to love this episode. So hi, Donna, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. And look, welcome to the show. And I'm so grateful to have you here today and you're going to be talking to us about quite a sensitive topic and a couple of issues that really become chronic problems in our Western society and we're going to be talking about uh, stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I'm not ashamed to say, and I'm going to put it out there straight up front, that I met Donna a few years ago when I was suffering chronic anxiety myself and you know I feel kind of vulnerable talking about this still because there's in our society there's still a stigma attached to to these things and I don't know why and why we can't have these conversations so openly but here I am I'm putting it up front straight up at the start (laughs) of this interview and that is how Donna and I have met because I was a patient of Donna's and probably still will be at some point because (laughs) it is always good to check in when you're not feeling quite yourself. But at the time when I was suffering from chronic anxiety, it was at a point in my life where I felt that I had no control. My husband and I had lost everything and uh, we're in quite a bit of a mess financially. And it was due to 
a business deal that had gone wrong and we had a business partner who unknowingly was in financial crisis himself and he took our money to put a band-aid on his financial problems but he only kept sinking deeper and deeper and we ended up losing everything as a result of that so for me it was more of a situational thing that occurred but even so it was something that I couldn't talk about and I know there are so many people suffering from these problems and they don't talk about them so Donna why is there still such a stigma around stress and anxiety Look, and I think it's great that you can even sort of, you know, start with even just saying that you've been through it because this is one of the biggest things that we need to get rid of the stigma. So I'll sort of answer your question in an opposite way here. Yes, yes. You know, we don't see the normal people who we now maybe even look up to and see that they've achieved and some of the people that we even admire. We don't look at those people and think that they've really ever been through anything, you know, negative or bad in their life. And unfortunately, as well, we seem to still match together. If something bad's happened to you in your world, then that must mean you created it or that you're a bad person or that you're not in control of your life to allow that to happen. You know, all of those sort of things. So for us to say, hey, I'm having a bad day. I suffered anxiety. I went through a bout of depression or I'm actually stressed. It's just a real still sign of weakness. And, you know, we're trying to all be these perfect kind of human beings walking around and presenting this image that really just isn't sustainable um, and really is fake, I guess. So the more that we can get people just having these conversations and seeing normal people kind of say, you know, yeah, I had I had a bout of that. But hey, look at me now. And that's what we've got to start getting that message across as well is, hey, look at me now. This is fixable and you can actually go on to be okay. Yeah, and I suppose for our singing voice community, it can be even harder. I came from a performance background and no matter what was going on in my life, I had to get up on stage and perform because I was being paid to entertain an audience and make them feel good. So how could I make them feel good when I was feeling so awful myself? So Mm -hmm. we can tend to become the master of disguise and some of these things can go undetected in our community especially. Mm -hmm. So, Donna, what are the signs and the symptoms of both stress and anxiety and is there a difference between the two? Yeah. So I guess, again, another really good point of this this pretend, you know, face that we sort of put on and what we need to, again, realise is when we have to put on that face, especially if it's in that performing world or that, you know, that singing environment or the teaching environment where, you know, you've got those students coming in and you really have to be everything for them for that half Mm. an hour or that, you know, that hour time frame. That at the end of the day, and as much as we've got to do that, and we've got to do that because we've got to pay the bills and we've got to get to work and we've got those performance dates, the body will cope with that if we acknowledge how much stress that has actually taken out of our body to perform, basically. Um, and a lot of people like who come into sessions will say those sort of things. You know, I've still got to work, but I can't really, you know, manage getting out of bed. How do I kind of control the two things? How can I find that balance? And it comes down that the basic stress kind of analogy or or the stress and anxiety kind of analogy, which I guess, you know, I really put out there and, and talk to everybody that I can about. And my sort of view on this is that we've got this, we've got this, this stress kind of stress cup or our emotional hub. And that sits inside, you can put it wherever. I've had a kid who's put it in their their elbow before. So, you know, I really don't care where you put your stress hub, you get to choose. So that's fantastic. But we've got this stress organ or this emotional hub and to me it's as important as our heart and our liver and everything all of our other systems that we've kind of got going on so what happens is because it's like a cup and with a cup we know that there's room in that right so if I go and get an empty cup right now that's not filled up we've got heaps of room in that I can pour lots of water into that and it's not going to overflow that's what our stress cup and our emotional hub does so Everything that happens in our world, even from when we're a little tiny thing running around and exploring the world and falling over and, you know, wanting ice cream for dinner and all of those sort of things, stress was going into that cup. It's an energy exchange kind of thing. But when we're a young child, we do really, really well at releasing that stress out of our cup. 
And as long as it stays in balance, I can pretty much assure you for most situations that you will be okay. So your head will function, you will be able to function, and you will be able to get through most situations that life throws at you. When that cup starts to get fuller and fuller and fuller though, and starts to overflow, then that system, same as your heart, if it went into kind of a bit of a blockage or a bit of danger, that system then has to, you know, it has to fix itself. It has to empty. If it identifies that we aren't emptying it as fast as we need to, and a lot of this happens as we get older because, you know, we're busy, you know, we now have work and relationships and kids and, you know, all of these things. So all of a sudden, the first thing that we forget about is us. That's pretty common. Yes. So when this gets to the point that it does start to kind of overflow, our body kicks in with kind of like its own coping strategy to try and release it, to keep us healthy. But again, it doesn't really know that the way it's about to release it, we don't really like. So the way it kicks in and releases it is it tries to push it out through our energy of our emotions and the top two emotions it chooses is anger and sadness. Mm-hmm. So I can identify kind of those, with that. Yeah, so they're kind of those first symptoms. And I often say to my clients, like, you're not going to go to a doctor and say, hey, you know, I'm snapping a little bit more because that coffee cup was left on the counter or I'm crying a little bit more, you know, at a commercial or a movie because you're going to feel like a bit of, you know, a bit silly if you went to a doctor for those small little symptoms. But they're the first things you need to pay attention to. So again, for the singing kind of community, it's even just that tolerance, you know, in the classroom setting, in the performance setting, if something goes wrong and all of a sudden you just can't deal with that, someone's playing, you know, the wrong beats or they they come in at the wrong time, all of that sort of stuff. And just your frustration tolerance gets really quite low. They're the first kind of steps, signs to look out for. Most of the time we ignore that, pretty common, and we keep soldiering on. What we also do now is we start getting kind of the shits with ourselves because we're getting snappy and teary and we start with the negative thinking. Why am I doing that? Why am I snapping at that person? I'm a horrible person. Why can't I control my emotions? All of that sort of stuff. So So, you call that guilt? Yeah, it probably does come through as a little bit of guilt. It's high pressure again on that need for us to be kind of perfect human beings. Mm -hmm. And also from our past, we're really taught in the early days that if we snap or get angry or kind of cry when it's not appropriate, that that's not okay. So it's almost like we put ourselves in time out almost. It's like we're that parenting voice back to ourselves that we're in trouble. So it's like, don't do that. You're being yeah. naughty. Yeah. yeah. That kind of, I guess, idea. If we don't do anything about it, then the next signs that will happen is then again, like you were sort of saying before, the energy that people exert to control those emotions. So I'm not going to snap at this person. I've got to get through the day. I've got to perform. I've got to get through, you know, these students all of that has to take energy from another system. Mm-hmm. And we find that it takes it from our brain. Wow. So the next little symptoms that it pulls from is things like your memory, your concentration, your attention span, motivation. So you could have your girlfriend say, hey, let's go out and you know have some dinner on Saturday night. And as much as you would love to, there's that little voice that just kind of goes, oh, like I can't be bothered, you know. If you love cooking, it's just, you just won't. You won't look for the new recipes. You'll just cook the same thing that you used to or, you know, go the takeaway option. It's even things like watching TV, you know, reading. It just, it's like your brain just has no more capacity or room to take any more information in. So it just starts turning those things off. Um, A lot of the times we sort of say it's like early onset dementia, but you might be, you know, 20. (laughs) So, yeah. 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 So obviously then it's not, dementia it's something greater than that and it's interesting that you're saying about loss of motivation because when I was in the thick of feeling those feelings of anxiety I didn't know it at the time it was later on I realized that other than going to work I wasn't leaving the house yeah and I remember one day I mean this is really all um bringing it all back home But I remember one day going to the chemist to buy some medication, you know, just maybe some Aspro or something for someone else. It wasn't even for me. And I remember that I went to the chemist and I thought, my gosh, this is the first time I've left the house (laughs) in months. 
I yep. actually didn't realise I slipped into this routine and mm-hmm. no one around me had even noticed. My yep. husband was doing the grocery shopping. He was taking on more and more. And, yeah, so other than going to work, isolating myself. Yeah. And, that and that's your body's. And it's your body protecting itself because it's identified that, again, with that stress cup or that emotional hub, it's identified that there's no more room. So if you kind of, it's too stressed. So this is still in kind of, I guess, that high stress area. This is where if somebody came to me with these sort of symptoms, I'd be going, okay, too much is going into your stress cup than you're releasing. So Mm -hmm. you are now in this high kind of stress kind of situation. Yeah. If we do nothing about that, then it kind of leads into anxiety mm-hmm. or, you know, depression. But, you know, when we're talking about anxiety, when you were then trying to even go somewhere or if you had a meeting on or something had happened back then, all the grocery shopping, like the example that you used, you would have got dressed and started kind of, you know, getting your things together to go to the grocery shop and your little hub would have kind of gone, what the hell does she think she's doing? And right. your head would have said, she's going to the grocery store, like, duh. And your hub would have gone, no, no, she's not, because there's no more room left in this system. Mm. So even if she goes outdoors right now and there's some crazy person on the roads, if it takes longer than she thought, if she, you know, runs into somebody at the street that she didn't want to see, whatever happens, even those tiny little situations that we might get into every single day of our life, It says you've got no room to even deal with those. So we now need to give you a bigger symptom that you as a human being are finally going to pay attention to. Enter Mm. anxiety and panic. So the anxiety side of things is kind of like that. It's that fire alarm, right? So it's kind of like we've smelt the fire. We sort of think maybe there's something going wrong, but we still haven't run out of the house yet. So now it's kind of going, get out of the house. There's a problem. So when the anxiety hits you as an individual and it gives you those real symptoms, so this is like, you know, you feel it's either everyone is different, but it's always going to be a big ticket item. So it's going to be your heart. It's going to be a feeling of throwing up. It can be the feeling of needing to go to the toilet, either ends, you know, it's or it will be your head, but it's mm-hmm. going to give you a big ticket item to go, oh no, something's wrong with me. I'm not okay now physically. I better stay home. So the body does its job. You go and put your bag down, go get back into your casual kind of clothes and ring hubby and go, I'm not feeling really well. Can you get the groceries tonight? Mm. Right. You're not, Mm -hmm. again, going to really think much of this, but your body's just done such an important thing to protect you from taking on more stress. Right. I remember at one stage, like I knew there was something not right. I felt like I was having an outer body experience that I was here, but I was watching myself from back Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I got to a stage where I couldn't trust that I would remember things because Mm -hmm. my memory was getting so bad. And I felt like I was having brain fog constantly. And I had a big performing arts studio at the time, believe it or not. I had 300 students at the studio, there were, I had 12 staff working for me and I had a PA. And I remember going to my PA and saying to her, I think there's something wrong with me. I'm not sure what it is, but I can't trust myself to remember things. I need you to help me. You need to remind me on a daily basis that these are the things that I need to do and I need to remember. And that was the moment when I thought, I'm in trouble here. And at that moment, this is where most people stop. So you've identified a problem, my memory, Mm -hmm. I can't do these things. And you've basically, you've jumped into problem solving mode. How can I still do that? I'll get my PA to remind me. Yeah. You still sometimes, and and look, you went on to then do what you needed to do, which is fantastic. But a lot of people in that situation still at that point go, oh, well, I'll fix the problem, but I'm not actually going to stop now and go, why did that happen? And why has my body done that to me? And what can I do now to actually resolve it or fix it? Mm-hmm. And this is the biggest battle I've got with, I guess, mental health and stress is 
we can't see it, right? So if that yeah. was you even months before that and you just had a tiny little heart pain, right, or you couldn't yes. breathe properly, I yes. promise you and everyone listening to this that you will be at the doctors and you will be at the emergency board like that. You will be yes. there because yep. we go, oh, actually those symptoms are important. We've got to start looking back to these earlier symptoms for even our stress and our mental health. And we have to start going, oh, these symptoms are actually important as well. Because mm-hmm. I've seen people, I've been doing this for, you know, 17, 18 years, and this does harm and kill people as well, you know. And it's such a shame because unlike some of our heart issues with genetic issues, this is a lot of the times preventable yeah. and we can manage it. So it's looking at that, you know, instead of in those early moments. So when your memory starts going a little bit foggy and when you're frustrated and and you are finding it, you know, hard to concentrate on your students or if you are a performer and you're forgetting, you know, those songs that you've always known Mm. and all of a sudden you can't remember the lines. That's when I need people going, hold on a sec, is something filling up that I haven't caught and do I need to stop and look at my strategies? Do I need to look at my self-care? Do I need to go and quickly talk to somebody? Because if you come and talk to me or anybody else at that stage, pretty much guarantee you'll probably have a couple of sessions and then you'll be on your way. Right. So trying to identify all those symptoms early on is going to prevent long-term problems. So in my case, I went to a doctor just my normal GP and Mm -hmm. explain to him how I was feeling. I was asked to fill out a survey Mm -hmm. with some questions. I answered the questions and based on that, he also, other than the chronic anxiety, he diagnosed me as having mild depression as well, which then I felt like a total loser. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yep. I did I felt like a total failure and I thought well like here I am I have this amazing business I'm really successful how can this be happening to me I'm a normal person I'm a rational person so mm-hmm. it in that moment one can actually feel at their lowest yeah as well yeah 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 and the pen and paper questionnaires, again, a lot of a lot of us psychs don't like them. We don't use them. The ones that you have to go and fill out at your doctors, again, if this happens to anybody, it's purely for Medicare to get rebates. Oh. So the doctor has to do it for a reason. Uh, Medicare mm-hmm. requests it. When I get a, a new client come in, even with that paperwork, I don't ever look at it. And I know a lot of other psychs that don't as well. So I really think, yeah, if we can almost get that out, that just do the paperwork and it's kind of for them to verify that they've given you a mental health care plan or you can get that Medicare rebate, we have to find something wrong with you. And again, listen to the language like I'm even using now. We've got to find something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. Depression, same as the anxiety, it's kind of like it's just the words are just so wrong. So you then definitely would have been presenting depression symptoms depression meaning your body just shutting down right Mm -hmm. that's what a depression really is isn't it Mm -hmm. like if we look at society depression is everything just shuts down I just said to you when your body goes under these high stress times or even if it's tiny little things that you just haven't managed over a longer period your body is going to shut down to protect you yeah right so this is where then it goes into depressive state you do lose your motivation your appetite um, you know, your thoughts can get a little bit skewed. And again, the thoughts are interesting because just like anxiety gives you those big ticket items to say, hey, pay attention, you know, go and do something about this. If again, there's a lot of people that ignore those as well and the head will do the same. So a lot of the times the negative thoughts is again, your head trying to get your attention. It's giving you these horrible, scary thoughts. And I, and again, I'm not minimizing them. Like they're, they're horrible to experience yeah. and they yes. make you feel like you are. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. It makes you feel like a crazy person. You yeah. know, all of those things. But a lot of the times it really is just your head trying to get your attention. Right. Okay. And there's a couple of questions that I have for you based on some of the things that you've said. Um, so what one of the other things, symptoms that I found was that I was running to the toilet all the time if you remember when I was coming to our sessions Mm -hmm. first thing I would do was go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. 
Even though I've been just scared. Were you just scared of me? (laughs) Yes, probably. (laughs) Can you explain that? Why why would that be? Yeah. So again, it's a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. So when we're highly stressed, our body goes back to the good old fight or flight mode, which again, most of us will remember tiny bits from our schooling. And this should be one that we should remember good old biology and learning about, you know, the fight and flight. A mechanism that's installed in our body in terms of danger to make us flee. Right. Before we can flee, we need to drop as much weight as we can so that we can basically old version, old style life, run away from the danger that's coming for us. Right. So this is where a lot of people get really sweaty. So they drop Mm -hmm. water, um, they might throw up or they, yeah, go to the toilet a lot. And that's your body trying to strip as much water from you so that you're ready in that situation when you need to, to get out of here. What I just said before about, you know, you having no room, even when you first come to those first appointments, like you're pushing yourself and Mm. you're pushing yourself to leave the house. You're pushing yourself if you don't know the the person yet to, you know, to go through something really, really scary. So you've had to kind of hit the overdrive switch to get to that appointment. So your body's going to keep you ready to kind of, you know, hit that parachute shoot as quickly as you need to. Yeah. And with the doctors, do they fully understand if you're going to a general practitioner? Mm-hmm. Look, I wonder sometimes how much they know and how much they understand and yeah. how much everything is by the book. And I, I, sorry, I keep bringing this back to me, but when I went to the doctor the first time I was diagnosed with these things, mm-hmm. about a year later I went back to the doctor because I wasn't feeling well. And he said to me, okay, you're suffering. It's your anxiety. Mm-hmm. You're not well. You're back in that, you know, you're depressed. You're suffering yep. from anxiety and sent me back to you. Mm-hmm. And when I came to see you, you said to me, no, there's, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And you suggested that I go and see another doctor who sent me for further testing and it ended up that I had something else going on. I had a virus. It was viral meningitis. Yeah. And so the symptoms were very much the same. And then there was another time that I went back to the doctor and I said, look, I don't feel well. These are the symptoms. Oh, it's the depression and the anxiety again. Mm -hmm. And after all this testing, it ended up that I was having vertiginous migraines. It was not the stress and the anxiety. So why is it then once you're diagnosed with these things, is there Mm -hmm. some sort of target on your back that they keep blaming it back on that when you actually could have other physical things going wrong with you? Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think the general, the GPs, restricted so much with the time not excusing that at all but yeah no I do think I do think if on your file it says you know that you're on antidepressants or that you've been on them in the past then that's going to be the first thing that they sort of do look for and I still believe that with the mental health as much as the doctors are you know kind of with us on it and they'll write the Medicare plans oh hopefully there's not too many doctors listening I still feel like you know it's a little bit like oh just go and talk to this little psych what will they know because you know we're not a psychiatrist and Mm. we haven't studied medicine we've studied enough we've done a lot of years in this to get where we are but it still feels sometimes like that's the fluffy fluffy approach and I think it all comes back to what I said before is we cannot scan our stress cup or our emotional hub Again, if I could get everyone who came in or if a doctor could send you off for an x-ray for that system, we would see, is it healthy? Is it not? What are your outlets? Like what, mm. what, what's going on for you? Mm-hmm. When you come to see us, we do go into, you know, a more in-depth kind of how are you? What are the real symptoms? And that's where, again, for most of us who have been doing this for a long time, a lot of the diagnosis that come into our rooms will say, no, it's not that as a label. It might be symptoms of that you know, in your case, it just, it wouldn't have been matching for me that day to sort of say, this is usually why this would happen. What's been going on for you in the last, you know, year, two years? Yeah. No, actually this has been good. I've still been doing all of these outlets that you told me to do the first time. Yeah. Then my head would have gone, well, no, your body, it's going to work if you do the strategies. So there has to be, you know, something else that we're missing. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just, it's a little bit of everything. 
you know, unfortunately in that, what do you get now? Five minutes, seven minute consult. I think a 15 minute consult with a doctor is a classified as a long consult, isn't it? I perfectly honest. I don't remember Mm. the last time I went to a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I try and sort things out for myself now. Yeah. And I I think this is what a lot of people are doing. I I had a a little bit off topic, but a little bit interesting as well. I had a student, a, a student doctor that I was seeing a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about kind of what people are wanting now. And this was a topic that we sort of, I said to him, you know, you're going to have to do a lot more because the world of the doctors being kind of like, oh, you're the doctor and you know everything. Mm. It's really, it's gone. And I said, and it's going to be going even more from the generations coming through, you know, you've only got to see if you're teaching, you know, kids and you've been teaching kids for even, you know, five, 10 years, the difference between our 15, 17 year olds compared to your seven to 10 year olds, the little ones, they want more answers. They're so much more inquisitive. You know, they're not just going to go, oh, you've got a white jacket on. I'm going to believe you. And that was a conversation I had with him. I said, you're going to have to actually learn more about mental health and the actual like the stress cup and you're going to have to know about holistic treatments you're going to have to know all of this because they're not going to just believe you and they're going to have questions and you need to be open-minded to answer otherwise that this next generations will go different ways and different you know routes you know of course we're all going to go to them when we've got the really big items that we need kind of looked at but these little things will go other ways so it'd be interesting if people didn't need a referral to come and see me from a doctor It'd be interesting to see how many actual doctor's referrals I got. Yeah, that would be very interesting. So Mm. do you think that particular people are more vulnerable to anxiety and stress and depression, such as genetically they have a Mm -hmm. predisposition to those things? And what about, you know, men compared to females? Ultimately, I think we're all pretty much, you know, like our liver, we're all born with the same stress cup. I think we all have a little bit, we've all got the ability to manage our mental health symptoms fairly similar. I'm really interested still with a lot of the research being looked into the birth psychology and kind of the pregnancy psychology and the intercellular sort of, you know, stuff that goes on. You've got your muscle memory that we all know about with exercise but what they're sort of looking into and they've been looking into it for years, but obviously it's a really hard one again to find actual definite information is they're really looking at, well, if the cells of babies, basically, you know, we know how babies come and it's the cells just kind of multiplying and forming off the DNA of mum and dad. So what they're starting to look into now is if say mum and dad individually have had a stress or a trauma in one of those cells, is the baby starting to form those cells with some of those trauma markers in them as well right you know so this is really cool like I really like Mm. this sort of stuff and that will come down to you know where you meet people and they just have those memories of things even happening to them and they don't know why they've got those memories so again very off topic but that side's really interesting so for those people they might be born a little bit I guess behind maybe somebody who's born with parents who haven't been through those kind of major, you know, traumas. Yes. The biggest thing I think really kind of separates us though is there's a lot of that socioeconomical kind of stuff as well because, again, what stresses are going into each person's stress cup? So if someone's, you know, born into even a wealthier environment or a less stressful environment, then they're not going to have their little stress cup as a kid kind of filling up as fast as maybe somebody who is already as, you know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old kind of struggling with, you know, getting food or lunch or or getting teased at school because that, you know, they don't have the right clothes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely will impact and that still Mm -hmm. is impacting. Uh, The gender thing, I think these days is cleaning itself up a lot. And again, we're kind of all doing a bit of the dual rolling now. There's not so much that one gender as much as protected you know if we're parenting we're sort of both having to parent we're both working in the workforce these days most both parties in the relationship individually you know girls can get into sports you know they can do a lot more things than they could have done so I think the amount of stress that can enter your life is pretty equal I think now for the genders again depending on maybe some situations and some cultures and things like that The cultural thing is quite interesting. Love Fiji, beautiful place to obviously go and visit. 
and you always get in the cabs and if you've been to Fiji you know that they just want to know everything about you oh it comes from a caring place but you sit there almost going like do you want to see my bank balance like because it's just they just they have no filter and it's beautiful yeah. they'll say what do in, you do yeah I found that in Dallas okay you get to Fiji and you get all beautiful ideas that maybe we'll just come and live here and I can work as a psychologist here because you know who wouldn't want to and they go what do you do and you go I'm a psychologist and they go what's what psychologist what what for what, what do people need you for? <laughs> and you'll say, well, because sometimes people have problems that I need to help them. Like who? Oh, well, everyone. Kids as well. Yes, yes, sometimes. Oh, oh, that's crazy. You know, and it's just that attitude, that different culture of, and they say to you, well, why aren't they just talking to their family? Why aren't they just talking to their friends? And you sort of sit there and go, mm-hmm. And then you look at the way of their life and it might have a lot more of these strategies that, you know, we get people to do. They naturally have them in their life because they have to. But in having to have some of those strategies of, you know, doing the physical work and walking everywhere and and having that end of day where they get to sit down and just chill out with their family unit, um, Mm. you know, and talk about what's been going on. They're probably ticking off all the strategies, which means their mental health is quite good. Yeah, and they're just not even realizing. It. Yes, exactly. Completely different yeah. lifestyle to ours. Yeah. So, so, bottom line is, I can't retire over there and work because they don't want me. Oh well, that that's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to yeah. stay here and deal with all of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, your practice, your own practice, has that mm-hmm. changed as a result of COVID? Are you seeing different types of issues? coming into your practice are you seeing more children coming in prior to COVID Mm -hmm. yeah so let tell us what's going on yeah so the COVID thing was obviously really really interesting I still remember as it's almost like one of those significant moments in our life isn't Mm -hmm. it I think most of us will be able to say I still remember the day that I heard about COVID yeah and I remember going home to my husband and saying oh my God, this is really going to affect a lot of people because I guess at that early stage, we all thought that we we're all going to be out of a job and living on the streets, right? That was mm-hmm. that initial fear. So I said to him like, oh, we're just going to have to do whatever we can. If I have to, you know, if I have to work from seven till seven, six days, seven days a week, I'm going to just have to do whatever I can to help people get through this. And he was, of course, going, yep, we'll do whatever we can. And the next week, the phones went quiet. And we sat there kind of going. Really? We normally, you How know, again, it's, it, we're, I'm a pretty established business. Like we're normally booked out. I work a lot of hours and I work most days. So you can get yes. in, you know, pretty fast. But still, it's a couple of weeks, you know, booked out usually. Yes. And we would normally have maybe, you know, 35, 40 people booked already for that following week. And there was five. And we were looking at wow. each other going, what's happening? So then we kind of went, oh, no, we're going to be on the streets as well. So what we found over this time was on the day, people were then ringing going, oh, can I get in? I really kind of, you know, urgently need to see somebody. And then over that next, you know, six or three month period, then it all kind of hit. So I think at the start of COVID, everyone was just in so much shock. I think we all went into shock and nobody knows what to do in shock. So, you know, that was kind of that first thing. I do a little bit of work for um, some media and one of those jobs is getting, you know, kind of the magazines or whatever to ring and to get your expert advice on certain topics. And they were obviously all COVID related articles at that for the next, so still going. And they said to me, one of the questions was, oh my gosh, like Donna, are you so, so worried about your anxious people and your depressed people and what's going to happen? And are they going to, you know, be jumping off bridges? And, and I said, no, no, I'm actually not worried about them. And they kind of, you know, balked at me a little bit. And I said, I'm not worried about them because they have the strategies. They know what to look for. And for my anxious people, they're going to love this time because, you know, they don't have to push themselves and go out. So this is almost like their ideal scenario. They were allowed to stay at home. <laughs> they didn't have to go to the supermarket. Yes. So, you know, they were like, this is fantastic. Yeah. I said, I'm going to be really, really worried about my average, you know, Joes and Joannes, and I'm probably going to be worried about them in about three to six months' time. And the reason was is that these normal people 
you know, all of all the normal people out there, it was the first time in their life, because we've never been through anything like this, that restrictions were imposed on them. They'd lost some of their outlets, whether that even mm. just be, you know, the gym, um, mm-hmm. you know. I'm hearing that one. Yep. They weren't able to do this for, you know, people who don't know me, I like my nails. And I would say, you know, they're not going to be able to get their nail appointment done, their lashes appointment done. They can't go and see their family, that holiday to, you know, Hawaii, whatever, that's going to be cancelled. And it's going to be the small impact of these little things that's going to build, as I said, stress cup, build and build and build and build. Mm. And it eventually will need to explode and they won't have the strategies and they won't want to talk about it because they're going to feel like, who am I to whinge about my nail appointment or, you know, that I can't go to Hawaii when my mate down the road has lost his job? Yes. I said, I can promise you they're the ones that I'm worried about. So pretty much to timing, maybe a little bit longer. They probably lasted a bit longer than I thought. Pretty much from about August last year, every new client I was getting was those people. Professionals, high, you know, high jobs, CEOs, you know, all of those sort of people Mm. um, just crashing and not knowing what was wrong with them. Yeah. Yeah. And that still kind of comes through a little bit now because Mm -hmm. the impact of COVID, as much as um, people might be getting back to work and life's kind of going back a little bit, in that time as well, what a lot of people didn't do is they didn't take any time off. So if you were lucky enough to keep your job, then you know, where were you to go for a holiday? So you might as well just work through. Mm. And the impact as well of 12 months, because we're hitting the 12 month mark, right? It's yeah, been a couple exactly. of weeks pretty much where yes. we're starting to shut down. Yeah. Um, the impact of that and and not having downtime is now creating that burnout in them. So they're still calling. So that's definitely been a different group that's come through. Yeah. And are they also suffering from stress and anxiety? Is that the main thing that you're seeing? Yeah. So because they haven't done their outlets, that's filled up their stress cup. If they haven't managed that on time, that's gone now into anxiety. And then because they feel stupid about having it, that's giving the depression thoughts. And that's that vicious cycle that we've talked about. That vicious cycle. So for many of us, Um, well, for all of us here in Australia at various times in our singing voice community, we Mm -hmm. had to transition from in-person teaching to online teaching. And that was a whole different um, platform, a different way of dealing with uh, of teaching, dealing with students. And we're in a situation where we would usually rely on visual and oral cues with our students. We had to, you know, work a lot harder during those mm-hmm. sessions to keep student engagement, etc. For yep. you transitioning to online um, mm-hmm. consultations, how's that been for you? Has it been different? Yeah, so probably very similar to what you guys experienced as well. Initially, I was a little bit worried about could I still read people because a lot of my job really is kind of you know reading people and making sure you know there's no tricks involved it's just is what coming out of the mouth actually what I feel like is affecting them or is there something deeper I was surprised I guess that you could still get that connection so I was happy with that Mm -hmm. but my um my zoom days compared to my face-to-face days just personally oh my god I remember just I would I lived very close at this point to my to the office and I yes. was still going to the office because there was kids at home and who wants to deal with that? I still had to work so I could escape all of that and leave that to others in the house. Um, and I remember it's only about a five-minute walk and on my Zoom days I would be like walk home and I'd open the door and husband would come out and, you know, get my bag or something and he'd just look at me and I'd be like food, water, bed please. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like that. Can you just now walk my body in, sit me down, provide everything that I need? Cause I don't really feel like it, but give me something. Cause I've got to do this again tomorrow. Um, so that just that energy drain and yes. it really showed me the same as you guys, that it's not so much the cues and stuff that I was missing, but we get so much from another person's energy in the room. Exactly. And even exactly. though you're the teachers and I'm the person, you know, you know providing the service, they give us so much as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I, and you miss, you miss that. You miss that buzz. You miss that, 
and the, and the ending, you know, a lot of the times when we when I finish up a session, we'll have a little bit of a chat. And, yes. You know, what do I do here? I go, oh, I've got to go now, close the screen on you. It, it was all of those things. Yeah. So I found, yeah, absolutely exhausted. Eyes got really sore. First time in my life had to start using like those eye drops just to be able to mm-hmm. deal with the screen. Mm-hmm. And also people can be very, when I see them, obviously they're in a very emotional state. Yes. And I had to almost give so much more. Mm-hmm. But what I also found is I had a client who actually put in a complaint about one of our sessions. And the reason was, is she said that it looked like I was on um, playing on my phone the whole session. Oh, really? And what, and what I realized is she was a newie. And when I don't often take a lot of notes, but for my new ones, I'll take notes. Yes. So, you know, you're looking at me now. Let me get yeah. a pen and paper. Yeah. yeah. It's down here. Yeah. So I was looking down a little bit. So oh, instead of even checking oh with God. me, she thinks that I'm playing a game of, I don't know, Candy Crush on my phone. Oh, really? To talk to her. So there was all those other little things that came in. Um, and I know for you guys, I've got a few of my kids were doing, you know, a few lessons and I, I've got a lot of kid clients and some of them were dancers and I had to laugh at them because they went, oh, it's great being online online because um some of the, the planks and the ab exercises we hate so they can't see us on the screen we just put our feet up oh, <laughs> we no. can be- I wonder <laughs> we if can I be- can do that in my Pilates class <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah so there were so many things that I think we just couldn't predict and that's before again you guys would have found this connections yeah. thing dodgy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So it was hard work yeah. It, yeah, all of us in our teaching community, we've all said how much harder we had to work for student engagement, yeah. but also to try and figure out what was really going on with their voice because we couldn't yeah. see them, we couldn't touch them, we couldn't yeah. walk around them, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And then yeah. from there, we've now transitioned back to face-to-face. I'm sure now the whole of Australia is back to face-to-face teaching. and. Mm-hmm. What I found was some of my kids were different, that when they came back, that Mm -hmm. some of them weren't themselves. So Mm -hmm. I could Mm -hmm. tell that some of them were a little stressed. Some of them actually admitted to suffering from anxiety. I had one student that started to self-harm during that time of being uh, taken away from the school environment. She -hmm. was a high achiever. Then there was another student who already was a little anxious prior to COVID and and COVID just exacerbated her anxiety. And some of these kids are are struggling. And Mm -hmm. when we're in a one-on-one situation with our students, we Mm -hmm. can see what's going on. And if we're working in a school, sometimes the classroom teachers can't see it, but we can. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and we're not psychologists mm-hmm. and sometimes they want to speak to us. We build that mm-hmm. trust and that rapport. How do mm-hmm. we deal with that? Because as yeah. I said, we are not psychologists. We're not yeah. equipped to give yeah. them advice. But what yeah. should we do in a situation where we feel a student is struggling? Yeah. So that line you just said there is really the golden line. It's the giving advice part. So when a kid or anyone comes to you with a problem, we put on our, our hat and we kind of think, oh, I've got a duty now to fix this problem. Yes. But that's us talking on this head level. And you've got that child in there for what, so half an hour, 45 mm-hmm. minutes or an Generally hour? Generally half an hour or an hour. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then they go off and you now don't see them potentially for what, another week? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So if you've tried to, in your limited time that you've got anyway, where you know you've got to also get through all of these things because, you know, the parents potentially are going to go, how was your lesson today and what did you do? Um, and we try and problem solve, then that's not going to potentially fix a problem because you don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. And then you're not going to know if it did fix a problem. And that's the stuff you guys take home. So you take home that, oh, now what did I tell them? And did I help them enough? And how are they? And do I need to check in? And so you've taken that problem on yourself. Yes. What we need to understand is a lot of the times when people are struggling, they're not ready or even want problem solving. And this is again, kind of separating the two hubs of the head and the problem solving and this emotional hub. If you guys can just notice that a student is just in a little bit of pain and if you can just let them talk and validate their emotions in that moment, 
And that's as simple as just going, yeah, that sounds really crappy. I can see that that really would make you angry. Or yeah, that's a really horrible situation for you to be going through. Like that would make me sad as well. I can see why Mm. you're sad. Is there anything, what can we do for sad today? Like, do we sing a sad song? Or do we do something like about that emotion today? That's amazing. If if that kid's really angry, let's do something really angry. Let's scream it out, blah, blah, blah. If you guys can do that, then what should happen as well is you will see the kids will release some of their emotion in that half an hour or hour. When they leave, they'll be a bit more positive. And you guys then shouldn't take it on board so much because first of all, you feel like you've helped. And second of all, you've understood your limitations Yes. And you're not then going home and it's not running through your head all night. Yeah. No, that's great advice because we're told that we should not talk to the student about their problems. We're told that that, uh, we need to report their problems to a school counsellor, all of those things. We have a duty of care. So you as someone that's in that, that medical field, you're saying, it's okay to a certain point to acknowledge what's going on. Mm-hmm. Don't yep. take it on board, but mm-hmm. just by using song mm-hmm. to release, release a little it. bit of what's going on. That mm-hmm. that's fantastic advice. Yeah. That that's yeah. fantastic. So yeah. for the rest of us, and, and also sh- I'll just add quickly yes. though. But for for you guys afterwards as well, then if something has hit a nerve in you again, you release that emotion on your way home as well. So then if that means you need to have a bit of a teary moment about this poor kid going through something or that's triggered you about something from your childhood or you're really pissed off at the freaking system for this allowing to happen, then you do it as well. You scream and yell and and put some music on and, like, get it out as well. And that will then mean you can go home and kind of take that hat off and then release it. So we've got to teach them how to release it, but then you've got to do it. Yeah. So... For the rest of us, because there are a lot of teachers that have really struggled. A lot of teachers have lost their jobs. A lot of them haven't had that interaction with their students. Well, they didn't have that interaction for so many months um, Mm -hmm. and were teaching online. I mean, Mm -hmm. the whole world changed and and we were impacted, as was Mm -hmm. everybody. What are some strategies that you would recommend for our teaching community to help mm-hmm. them feel back to themselves again? Like what are some yeah. great stress releases, things mm-hmm. that you would advise for uh, helping with anxiety? Yeah. So basically we break it into almost three things that our little emotional hub needs to be able to release. The first one is pretty self-explanatory and it's that physical release okay Mm -hmm. I call it a physical outlet because a lot of people I meet seem to be allergic to the word exercise so I I, I'm hearing you I call it movement oh well there we go yeah yeah there's (laughs) a lot of these allergies out there so we've got to be careful about I like that an allergy yeah Yeah, Um, it's the allergy so that's your physical outlet so you Mm -hmm. have to do something and it purely and it's not for endorphins or blah 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 it purely is stuff's happened in your working week in or even just in life generally and it needs to be exerted out so what goes in has to come out right that's kind of the first for most people I really think you do need at least sort of three times a week it could be even just you know 15 minutes to half an hour but it has to be something physical and stress cups really selfish. It can't be that walk to the supermarket or, because that's going to the supermarket. Or right? getting up so, to get the TV remote. Yeah, that doesn't count. Times. That's a long <laughs> way away, 15-minute 15, 15 walk for a TV remote. That's a big house. I oh, know, but if you get up often <laughs> enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, we could count it. Yeah, just my steps got up to those levels. So that's a no-brainer. I live my life very much that I know with just a normal week how much I need for my outlets. And that is pretty much it's four times a week of doing something physical. Mm-hmm. That's Likewise. just normal stuff, right? That's yes. just work, kids, relationships, all of that fun stuff that we love, but it causes us just generalized stress. If and a bigger event pops into my world, then I increase that. So I'll almost do something then daily but I'll reduce the intensity. So if I usually run, I'll know now that I'm going through a bit of a bigger stressor. Mm. So I'm not going to run because that might burn me out more. So, But I'll walk and I'll do that then every day until that stressor passes. So it's really trying to keep yourself in reserves to be able to cope when the big things pop in. So that's kind of item number one. The second thing everyone needs to be doing is that downtime. So this is what we call kind of like our battery charging time. 
So you can even do, you know, sometimes during the week, I'm flat out as well. And a lot of, you know, this is what we do, right? It's if you're busy during the week, you don't have a lot of time to yourself. So that might just be, you know, a longer shower on those nights, just a hot mm-hmm. shower. I turn off the lights. I put some oils on the wall. It creates like a big steam room and I just kind of sit in I it like or sit that. against the wall and close my eyes. And just, that's my downtime, you know, during the week, because I don't have time for anything else. Yeah. It might be watching an episode of, you know, something on TV, but don't have your phone with you and don't be doing work as well. So mm-hmm. it's one activity at the moment the shower is really cool because so far it's really still not a great idea to take your iphones into the shower so that's kind of like one of the only spots that we kind of especially us ones are a bit addicted to it that we have to go without it for that 15 20 minutes or whatever and then the third one we almost touched on a little bit before but this is the one that everyone stuffs up and doesn't do properly is our own emotional regulation So if something upsets us during the day, even this COVID stuff, if you're sitting there and you're talking to your colleagues and, you know, you were really angry about having to teach online, then don't problem solve it because we couldn't do anything about it. You're allowed to just validate. I've got the right to be, you know, angry about that. If someone pisses you off in the middle of the shops and when you're leaving, Mm -hmm. you just want to have that little like, oh, they were an idiot moment. Like just it's got to be released out. If something makes you sad, allow yourself you don't even have to cry just allow yourself to kind of drop your shoulders and just go yeah that really upset me and that's okay so it's that Mm -hmm. validation of the emotions before you then jump to the problem solving yeah because a lot of us in those moments we feel that we have to brush those feelings aside we don't take that moment to validate or acknowledge how we're feeling we feel that you know it's weak to do mm-hmm. that that we have yeah. to oh no toughen up no yeah. you can't feel that mm-hmm. and I think again it's no fault of sort of even a lot of our our parents and if you've got if people listening are parents themselves I can guarantee they're saying the same things I can do this all day and when I get home if one of my kids runs in with a problem I'll probably revert almost to the script I've learned more so than the psych brain that I'm talking to you guys until I hear it And we are taught that. So we've Mm. all got those memories of coming home from school after something yucky happening with our friend. And yeah, we'll be friends with them again tomorrow. But in that moment, we don't know that. And we're only seven. And our parents would lovingly say to us, oh, don't worry about that now, honey. Come here. Like, it's okay. Like, you're home now. Don't stress about that. Let's go and do something fun. So it was always that distraction. I remember the first, one of the first funerals I had to go to. And the instructions, again, from a loving place from my mum was, now remember, you've got to be brave, remember? Mm. You know, so we wow. just get these messages of hold on or yes. or it's over now, it's over yeah. now. So it, it's kind of not acknowledging those emotions. Yeah. And even if you guys think about it, if I ring you and I'm your mate and I'm like, oh, gosh, I've had a really crappy day today, I can promise that you'll say to me, oh, Donna, why, why, what happened? You mm. won't say to me, Really, how are you feeling? And there's this such would be a big shift if we could just say, how are you feeling and what do you need to do about that feeling? I'm feeling really pissed off about this person. Well, what do you want to do? Do you need to vent about it? Vent, I don't care. Like vent, scream, yell, or do you want me to come over and we'll go for a walk or you can box it out on the gloves? Like what do you want to do for anger? One thing that I've uh, always done and I feel it's become really important in the last 12 months is to check in with the students. I will always Mm -hmm. ask my student, how are you today? And how has your week been? Mm -hmm. And I think it's only just asking them two simple questions can really tell you a lot about what, how those students are going on that day. And it makes them feel good. Yeah. And to acknowledge it's simple that. things, isn't just, it? Such yeah. a simple thing. And yeah. this is where we're so busy and we're just forgetting those simple things. So in your community as well, you guys have all got the understanding because you did all go through it together, right? It mm. was there was no you all had to work from home, you all had to do the Zoom sessions. You've got that shared experience. Yes. So definitely. I think it's using that community to vent when you need to vent, take turns in it, ring someone and say, I'm having just a really hard day. Can I just go blah, 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 blah? And everyone kind of listening and going, do you need me to help you with that? And if this person goes, no, I just need to vent, going, okay, go for it. Yeah. And that's where you can kind of, I guess, support each other as well. And understanding that, like we said, a lot of these stresses were new stresses. So 
that your stress cup over these 12 months also possibly got higher than it's ever got before. Absolutely. So, you know, you've got to, if these symptoms are breaking through, that's completely normal. Just get these strategies back on track. And I promise you they'll reduce down. Your head will open up again. You know, you won't feel like you're going crazy or that you've got dementia. Yeah. And I definitely feel that the last 12 months has brought out the best and the worst in a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And look, you've given us so much time today, Donna. You've been really, really generous. And some of the information that you shared with us is is really practical and it's going to help a lot of people. And I hope that for people that are needing help themselves, that they take that step and, and not be ashamed that mm-hmm. they are struggling to find someone that they can speak to, whether it's a family member or, or a professional. But if someone wants to reach out to you, Donna, where can they find you? Because I know you've okay. moved from the Gold Coast and you're now located in Melbourne. Yeah, we've come down to the cold. It's a bit mm-hmm. cold today. We're in different clothing very, very yes. clearly today. <laughs> I'm in your hometown and you're in my hometown. We've swapped. <laughs> we've swapped places. Um, look, so yeah, so I can be found online. A lot of my work now, like I said, I've gone back to face to face. But you know, the funny thing is people are also using the opportunity to do the Zooms if it suits them better. So that's still options for people kind of everywhere. I'm the couch therapy group. So if people want to find me, they can just Google the couch.biz and that will come up with me. Yeah. And um, you have a couch, by the way. I do I've have a couch. A couch. Yes. And I never yes. sit in it. <laughs> Because I always, I avoid the couch <laughs> and it's like a, a bit of a joke yes. between us. One yeah. day I'll just have the straight jacket sitting over the couch for you. <laughs> put this, And you'll probably rock it. You'll probably be the only person who can put the straight jacket on and make it look oh, yeah. good. I'll make sure <laughs> yeah. that my clothes are matching and the hair. Yeah, yeah, on. yeah. Straight jacket with earrings. Yeah. Um, yeah, so email, you know, off the website, all of those sort of things. I'm easy to find. So either my yeah. name... Google my name. We've got all the normal things. We've got the Facebook page as well. Sometimes the Facebook page and the um, is interesting for people who are a little bit nervous, just to get a bit of an idea, you know. So we'll we'll just post some little things, and it just again normalizes it. You know, if I get yeah. a cute little puppy, or the other day, because I'm in Melbourne now, oh. I got a rabbit. I got a rabbit. Oh. You know, we'll put that on and just just give some ideas of just how we run some things. And again, yeah. I'm a normal person. You know, yes, you um, are. You're not gonna. Yeah. I'm not going to commit you. Yeah. You're not crazy. Yeah. It's you are fine, very and it's finding that person that you are comfortable with. So mm-hmm. don't also be afraid that if you go to a psychologist and it doesn't suit you in that first session or a couple of sessions, like find another one. That's okay. Yes. yes. You know, it, and, it's a personality thing as well. Yeah. And two yeah. other things that you haven't mentioned, you have your own podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't directed us to your podcast. Oh, Don- haven't I? Oh, no. <laughs> The podcast that I've never listened to. Yep. <laughs> I've, I've heard the story. It's actually yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, you like the sound of your voice and everyone, you know, probably listening to me because you're all singers. But a lot of us non-singers don't like the sound of our voice. So I have done a podcast. It has been edited, so I do promise it's okay. I just haven't okay. sat through the pleasure of listening to my own voice myself. Yeah. That one's just called On the Couch with Donna Cameron. So that, again, on all the major podcast sites can be found quite easily. And your book, because Mm -hmm. you do have a book that talks about managing the stress cup as well. Where can we find that? So the book is through Amazon. And, again, you can Google that and it's just a little e-file or a little, um, uh, what are they called now? Like e-books? E-book, a little one, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, again, it's the stress cup book, Managing Your Stress Cup, was basically just put together. It's got pretty pictures, you know, and it basically was just giving a, when I'd have clients and I'd explain the stress cup story and what they mm-hmm. needed to do, of course, they'd walk out and then, you know, they'd try and come back a week later and they'd be going, oh, you need to write that down. I forgot half of it. So finally, eventually I did kind of write it down. So it's it's very short. It just gives those simple strategies. And it's, it's almost like, almost like to say it's if you could pick up something, you know, every few weeks and almost have your reminder because mm-hmm. you could do it, you could flip through it really quickly and yes. just to remind you to do the self-care, yes. you know, that's, that's kind of what, what that is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Look, 
There are so many things that we could keep talking about because mm-hmm. not only do you specialize in stress and anxiety, but you've also have done work on eating disorders, on bullying. And I'd love to hear some stories about you working in the prison system mm-hmm. as well. And I mean, there's so, and domestic violence and family law. There's so many things that uh, we could continue talking about. And maybe I mean, it'd be fantastic to have you back on the show sometime in the future if you have time for us. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. But look, thank you so much for being a guest today, Donna. Oh, it's been right. an absolute pleasure. And we look forward to seeing you again in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Voice and Beyond. Now is an important time for all of us to spread positivity and empowerment in our Singing Voice community. It's time for you to invest in your own self-care, personal growth and education. Use every day as an opportunity to learn and to grow so you can show up for your students feeling energized, empowered and ready to deliver your best. Be the best role model and mentor you can possibly be and watch your students thrive as you do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to share it with a friend or a colleague who you think will be inspired by this. Copy and paste the link and share it with the people you think will enjoy listening to this show. Please share it on social media and use the hashtag A Voice and Beyond. If you would like to help me, please rate and review this podcast and cheer me on by clicking the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now. I would love to know what it is you enjoyed the most about this episode and what was the biggest takeaway for you. I promise you there are many episodes to follow as I'm committed to bringing you more inspiration and conversations just like this one. I'd like to finish up with my final thoughts. Remember that to sing is more than just learning how to use a voice. As singers, our whole body is the instrument and our bodies echo what we feel physically, mentally and emotionally. So singing is not just about the voice. It's about a voice and beyond. Please take care of yourself and I look forward to your company next time.